0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm your one of your co-hosts, AJ Sherman, reporting live from Rochester, New York, just like the good old days, and sitting nicely, lavishly in Brooklyn is my co-host, Frankie. How are you doing, Frank?
1: I'm doing good. Yeah, um, man. Another episode of Watchmen Down, three down, a couple more to go, um... So I, I think this was a a fun one. I th- what was it? She got hit by space junk. Is that what was it called? Uh, she's
0: like that? she's just space junk, I think.
1: I think she got hit by space junk or something along those lines.
0: We'll pull up the real title right now. I know it's yeah. online.
1: So a few things. I think um, if you were watching last night, you probably saw that uh, they HBO is not putting out an official podcast. Um, they're, like, competing with everybody else now. No, but it's kind of cool. Um, I started listening to it, but I was, like, only a few minutes in. Um, so it's basically uh, with Damon Lindelof, and they're going to do three episodes, uh, I think, cover covering, like, three episodes at a time. So... Uh, They're giving us that, which should give us some more juicy insights onto the show. And then the other thing that I found um, towards the end of last week, uh, there's an HBO companion website called PDpedia, uh, which we, I think, met the uh, eponymous PD in this episode as well, um, which gives us more details onto uh, the ones I read, at least had to do with technology over the past couple of decades since the book, and um, the, uh, I think, more on the anti, anti-vigilante, right? Sure, yes. Some, some details of, of where a certain Dan Dryberg may be, which was also kind of confirmed in this episode. So, um, a lot of content out there, there it's it's not quite as um, Mystery box uh, level stuff with like Lost or uh, Game of Thrones or even like Westworld, but there's like a lot of stuff out there, and people are starting to theorize and tune in. So I, I think it's uh, it's it's picking up steam. This this one was a, a really strong one. You said you just watched it, right?
0: I did. I I loved this episode. I didn't think that they would get to this kind of point so quickly, uh, and I mm-hmm. liked it. Um, I liked that they took a really big tonal shift that was different from the rest of the episode. It's also been interesting to see how they're including, you know, the OG Watchmen into this show. And that, you know, when you first, we all first kind of heard about it and you hear that, you know, uh, maybe a couple of the characters are going to be alluded to, but it's really not going to be about them. Uh, I don't know. Uh, this, th- this episode had a lot to do with uh, one Laurie Blake, and I think it was... There was so much really, I just said this, there was so much really cool exposition done through world building. Like, instead of having a TV on with, like, you know, a documentary or something, like, they just slowly and surely throughout the episode just, like, lay the tracks of different pieces down. And I really dug that, and I really feel it's really hitting a lot of the same beats as the original Watchmen books. You know, in that, like, we're here in like the end of like the first act, and we're at the comedian's funeral, and it totally takes a big twist because, you know, I think there's a kind of a juxtaposition between the comedian and also uh, Judd's funeral, in that you know, in uh, in in the comedian's funeral, we're watching everyone kind of relive, in in the comics. Spoilers for the comics. I mean, period for the whole. The whole thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, the comedian is, is dead, and everyone's kind of having their own little reminiscing uh, flashback to their moment of like being with the comedian at like some seminal point in their superhero ness. Whereas this one, instead of anybody like looking back or offering um, any kind of real eulogy in what uh, Angela was doing, uh, this all foreshadowed the future. Like that it was kind of like setting up the characters' next steps that like because of Judd, now all of these new characters have now kind of come to a head of interaction and we're going to kind of see that play out throughout the rest of the TV show. Um, So I don't know. I I like that, you know, in Manhattan, in The Comedian, it's raining. In this version, it's sunshine. Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole bunch of kind of, I think, juxtapositions that have to be... I got, to guess, intentional on this part to do this. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to get into spoilers when you are. I mean, I think that this it really, yeah. the show has now found its foot. I think it's definitely found its foothold in the Watchmen lore where there's enough to kind of dig in there and look at to kind of compare it to what the old Watchmen was doing, but also it's doing entirely different things that I, it's, it's it makes me a little sad that the, maybe the Watchmen should have been a TV show instead of a movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an argument for that. Like, for any comic book uh, adaptation, in my opinion, you know, or any book adaptation, there's just so much more time to really stretch out the story. Um, You know, we've talked about that before with, like, Harry Potter and, like, any, yeah, I really think any comic book, like... That's one of my gripes sometimes about uh, like some of the DC superhero shows. It's like they are loosely based on those characters, but they don't like have comic story arcs. Whereas like here, it feels like it, and you're you're you feels like you're watching the book kind of stuff unfold on page on screen instead of on the page, um, and it's kind of paced in that way, which is definitely more intriguing. Um, yeah, I think we get into spoilers. It's hard to. To talk about yeah. these episodes with, without um, so in three, two, one, go um, so yeah, I mean also one thing we we finally saw the the scene that the clip that they showed us back at comic con, I think with a little bit more I,
0: not... I I completely agree with you. they took out a lot they took out the part about lady true building the world world clock. They took out a couple of lines here and there. It,
1: yeah, they took uh, out a couple of lines about Vite, I think too. Um, I know that like it's like I, I think there's stuff from the beginning of that scene and the end of that scene that was was like taken out, but like there were just like interjections here and there that they were able to edit out because they didn't want to spoil too much. Yeah, um, that was at the content on the plane at least. Um, sure. Um, but yeah, you know, getting her. Up to speed. Um, I think it was really a cool way to start the episode with um, uh, kind of the fake robbery. It's like a, that's gotta going?
0: be a, that's gotta be a jab at Dark Knight, right? Like that's <laughs> that has to be what they were doing there. Totally. The guy was even talking in like a Batman esque kind of voice. I
1: mean, he looked like Batman.
0: He totally looked like Batman, and totally set to juxtapose. I think ju- uh, the opening scene of Dark Knight in that we're all used to kind of, like. I think when, we, when I was watching this episode and you see her rob the bank, you're like, what the fuck is happening? Is this a dream? What's going on? Yeah. And I think it's so shocking when you kind of turn the corner on how she's changed that they needed that kind of shock value to show you, like, oh, no, she's not doing this anymore. And, like, not only that, but she will shoot you three times in the back through your body armor to make sure she's got you. Yep. Uh, I loved it. I also liked that both of it. I, I think the um, one of them was called the Revenger, and one of them was called the Shadow. I mean, come on, that's great.
1: <laughs> Those, that's great. That's yeah. great.
0: Uh, so I, I really dug that scene. I thought it did like it did a ton of show and not tell. You know what I mean? Like we see her whole perspective and her whole mission in that scene. In in like maybe even it's got to be like two minutes. It can't even be really that long.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, I, you see I a lot. you see a you lot. See, we get to see DC. We see um the the Washington Monument with some sort of like crazy observation tower at the top. That sure. was Sure. crazy. It, look, it looks cool. Um and then, you know, we we transition to getting her up to speed uh with the uh with the FBI and she picks out, I don't remember the character's name, but this guy that Um, you know, seemingly is just, like, a a slideshow projectionist, but, like, has actually a lot more detail to him and is, like, really well-versed in the history of of, uh, vigilanteism and and everything. So, um, but we also are... It's, like, intercut with um, this ongoing scene throughout the episode of her in this booth, like, calling... uh, Doctor Manhattan on okay, Mars. Okay, so
0: we gotta like think about this. So like yes. So like okay. So like would it be in a world where you don't really have God anymore because of the squid? One could theorize that maybe instead of like everyone going to churches, maybe th- these started to pop up as ways to kind of pray to Doctor Manhattan in a way. Mm. You know that like yeah. Because I don't I didn't. It didn't look like people were living on Mars. So why would you need to call Mars? Right,
1: right. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's purely like, because I think it even says like Dr. Manhattan has received your call. Like, I right. think that is the main purpose of it. But like, whether there's some sort of Dr. Manhattan church out there, that's like, in addition to this, that, uh, you know, these booths that, you know, Laurie just goes into, um, that remains to be seen. Um, but like, does he respond? Does he do anything? Like, I think you're right. It's kind of like, he's kind of like their godlike being and he doesn't really care that much about humanity but maybe he does and maybe he's listening but obviously he's listening to Laurie
0: well is well the question i guess is is like if nobody's really seen him like why are these booths there like like are like do we occasionally get like a letter back from osterman where he like explains more shit to us does he give new technology does he give an update like it didn't seem like that so to me it looks like that You know, first of all, I guess you would need phone booths in a world without phones, right? They all depend on their pagers Mm -hmm. to communicate. So you would need phone booths. So that's kind of one angle. But, like, it also seems to me like when you see the church in uh, the beginning promo of the 7th Cavalry, the church is all fucked up, right? And we haven't seen any church iconography at Judd's funeral at all. Right, They had one priest, mm-hmm. but they didn't have anything else. They didn't have any prayers. They didn't have any reading of your rites. You couldn't hear, there go the deeply departed. You know, like, nothing. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think there's remnants of it. Like, you see, like, uh, in, like, the mausoleum, there's, like, a cross and, like, on some of the headstones and stuff. But, like, you're right. I don't think it's necessarily very present. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Judd could have just not have been a very religious person. But I, I do true. think that in this world that uh where everything that's happened so far with the alien and with a superhuman like it's very believable that people wouldn't you know go to Christianity or even Ju- Judaism or anything else like it just doesn't seem to be very present also we're in like Oklahoma like
0: sure it, it,
1: yeah who knows
0: um yeah we got to learn more about the phone booth so the besides the point the scene inside the phone booth is pretty moving so you have uh Lori Blake and she's calling into Mars and she tries to tell I think two anecdotes or two jokes. The first anecdote is about uh a man who's a builder and he builds uh you know he builds houses and then you know he's a great house builder and then he goes on to teach his daughter how to build houses and then at the end of her building this house there's one brick left over and the yep. dad f- freaks out and destroys uh the 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 house, uh and then the little girl takes the brick and throws it up into the air. Then there's a second joke where um Ozzy Mendeus, Night Owl, and Manhattan are trying to get into heaven, and you see how kind of in her mind people got their comeuppances, you know, or how they kind of lived on. Cause you can like we don't know for sure yet but uh i, I want to say that my thoughts about whether or not vite is actually alive in these scenes is is beginning to wane on me mm. uh and i i'm curious if maybe she's really t- speaking you know pretty clearly that she knows adrian's dead driedberg is probably dead and that wherever manhattan is doesn't even matter like with his bullshit logic, like he's just out right. there in it's
1: the like, world. Yeah, what's well, the difference between a, a living being and a, and the, a dead human being? The exact I, same amount of particles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, we can talk into the white stuff in a minute, but yeah, I, I think it. I think the pacing of the joke throughout the episode really kind of uh, made it. Uh, It it paced it well, I guess is what I'm just trying to say is that, like, you didn't, it wasn't all one scene. Like, it's kind of structured things, and she was thinking about these different people, and like the way it interjected with, um, like, uh, talking to the senator about uh, Dan, and talking to, um, you know, the historian about Dr. Manhattan, and talking to him about Ozzy Mendez. It kind of like fit at the right moments in time about why she was thinking back to this. Or, I mean, I guess the, the, that scene's at the end of the episode, but, you know, intercut throughout. Um, uh, but it's revealed that, that it's actually one joke, right? Like, yeah. the, 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 the brick comes and hits God in the head. So, like, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I think the, the, the brick maker kind of is another uh, allusion to Doctor Manhattan as a builder. Like with they all, got it. Like, well, I they think they have that even.
0: I thought she was talking about the flo- flying floating clock on Mars. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, so uh I don't know. I is she the space junk?
1: Yes, she's the space junk.
0: But she's not Or as,
1: is it it's uh The titles of these the of, the of these
0: shows are really getting to be <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> This is this is complex, man. Meanwhile, like I saw it, I was like, I'm gonna remember this one a lot better than the oh, last time, but oh, no. it's um it's fine. I mean, I, I think it. Whatever it is, like the space chunk is the car coming out of space and almost hitting her at the end of the episode, right? And so, so and that's got to be Manhattan, right? That throws it at her. I mean, who else could? Of it? course, right? Yes. Yeah. I. I mean, I. I think it's. It's supposed to be a little bit ambiguous, but I. You know, the fact that she, says this. I mean, I think it's also interesting that this week's episode and last week's episode end with like a vehicle in the sky and a character looking up. Right. That's I true. think that's kind of cool. Like a little bit of a mirror image there. Um, no, because right. um, last week Angela was like, what the fuck is going on? And like the, the guy will in the wheelchair is taken away. And then this time it's kind of like uh, the opposite, like, no, you are listening. It's a confirmation versus like a question, which is a kind of a cool, uh, Counterpoint. Um so okay. I think the other cool little Easter egg uh was was back in her apartment. We have um an owl in a cage.
0: Yeah, that's gotta be some shit, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I I mean they they basically allude to the fact that Dryberg is in jail.
0: And that's um, in the files, right? That's what that's the extended reading, right? That's what it right. says.
1: Right. Right. Um and, and to me, like her reaction, it, it is kind of like I I, going into this, I was kind of like, is she? Does she care about Dan anymore? Do they break up? But like her reaction is like, yeah, no, she misses him, and and you know whatever happened, it's she regrets something, right? Like you get that vibe.
0: Yeah, I think she could. They like, could regret like not having kids. Like it doesn't seem like she has a kid. You know? oh, yeah, yeah. And it seems like maybe like she kind of missed her opportunity there. You know, like like something something had to, something really bad had to happen to Dan. For her to, first of all, keep an owl in a fucking cage in her house is pretty... That's upsetting. Because uh, I, when I first saw her, like, throw the mouse into the thing, I didn't put it together. I was like, oh, maybe she has, like, a cool genetically modified creature that's, like, illegal or something. Nope. Yeah,
1: or, like, a weird snake or yeah, something. Nope. Like, yeah, you don't think about an owl. like, but yeah, Fucking it's, like, really owl annoying. in a
0: cage, you yep. bitch. Let him out. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so,
0: uh, okay, I think having Keen in this version is kind of cool because, mm-hmm. like, you don't have, and I'm speaking largely about to the movie, you don't really have Keen in the movie. It's just not a presence, right? right. You don't have a, 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 the, the way that it's explained and, uh, you know, kind of really the effects of it and the legislation part of it, I think are a little bit loom larger in the book because it explains to them why they aren't superheroes. In the in the movie, they kind of skip over it because they don't really have the time. Uh, but yeah. I kind of like that you have this new guy who's kind of totally inverted the original idea. You know, like, it's a really kind of crazy... It's a crazy place. And he's supposed to be the son of the original Keen, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's, he's junior, yeah. So, I mean, and he's he, he is a representative from Tulsa and he's the person that kind of put this thing into motion with the the police officers wearing masks so yeah it's totally a reversal of what his dad did and um but you know like he believes it and people believe in him uh, that it's you know the right path but like as we saw like you know the violence that kind of goes on and like they're still going to be targeted whether they know their identities or not it it's you know it's it's definitely interesting um and then like it's kind of unclear at this time why um i mean i guess it makes sense like the if the the seventh cavalry targeted him it, but like i guess they knew he was going to be there and it, but, i but mean like we, to me that looked pretty staged it looked a little bit like uh
0: when penguin grabs christopher walken mm-hmm. you know and it's like uh it's happening on purpose for the you know the the benefit of the cameras and the reaction. Um, it just seemed a little too perfect.
1: What did you think? I guess that's a possibility. I mean, th- that was sort of like, I mean, I, I, either we talked about this online or or offline at some point, but like even Crawford's death, not necessarily, it's not necessarily staged or faked or anything because it seemed pretty clear that he's actually dead, but um, just like, the way all these events are happening that like, it's kind of um, it's written, like someone's kind of making this happen, like similar to maybe the events of the original where
0: yeah. Adrian
1: is kind of orchestrating everything. So you're right. You're right. Um, whether that cavalry member knew he was going to die or not, that may not be the case. then um, but sure. You know, uh, so maybe their plans kind of went off, uh, In that moment, and and
0: (laughs) yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. That like like she like Silk Spectre kind of upset what was going to happen because she's so hardened and like a battle axe that she like fucking shoots this dude in the head. She says, "I didn't think he had it hooked up to his heart. I didn't think he had it hooked up to his heart either. So I thought it was like going to be like boom, and then he and then he's just dead. And they're like, okay, here we go. We can like investigate this dude." having him actually blow up is like, Oh shit. Like they can't like, they actually went through the trouble because there's something bigger going on here.
1: Right. Well now also like (laughs) Angela throws Crawford's coffin on top of it. And like just explosion of disgustingness. Yeah. That was pretty great. That's pretty, I mean, it sucks. Like it's really gotta be super sad, but like that's her gut instinct. That's how she's going to protect people. Um, but I mean, I maybe they can find DNA evidence at the scene of who this guy is. But it doesn't matter. He's just a member of of the cavalry. Another guy that's part of this greater threat that's going on. Um, I do love the the interaction between Lori and Angela. Like they're both like they're both like out for the same thing, but like right. they're at odds right now. And I mean, I think that's kind of we're going to get there where maybe more of these characters kind of become together on like on the same page. Um, because right now, a lot of people are working at different angles, even Looking Glass. We learned like, a lot more about him, kind of. Well, I just or, thought... heard like, more from him.
0: Yeah. When you saw Angela kind of uh, really intimidate... Uh, excuse me. When you saw Lori really intimidate Angela at the funeral, I was like, oh, shit, maybe she's the bad guy. Um, mm. But what kind of what you're seeing throughout the whole... Uh, beginning um, monologue uh, or the continuing mo- like joke monologue with uh, Lori is that she's not. And like she still has faith. That's why she's calling out, you know? So she can't maybe be the bad guy. The scene kind of after it with the coffee kind of redeemed her a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, when she came over and was like, "Yeah, Yo, you can't be doing this shit. I was like, oh, maybe this is how it's going down.
1: So, I don't know. Yeah, I maybe, thought it was I um, thought it was interesting for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh so Vite um Yeah, huge. What the fuck is going on? He's so weird. Um so we're building a, a steampunk uh astronaut gear
0: out of leather yeah. and suits. Um why are we launching into
1: people into orbit on a trebuchet? Wow. Uh very very strange stuff. Um he's in some like Safari Zone kind of thing. Like think about Pokemon. Like he's like he's like there's a game warden that he can't like go beyond, and he's like maybe keeping his identity uh, or the fact that he's their secret, but he's like goes goes beyond. I don't know. I think it's still kind of unclear. I think it was really cool that we see him in costume and that he verbally confirms that he's play- that he's Vite. Uh, it was it.
0: Know. Both of those things were very fun. Like you know, and to- fan service, but well executed. Like. Also, we knew going into this that he was totally Vite. Everybody else doesn't know that, right? Right. So going into this episode, when you finally get the big reveal with uh, the Bizet carbon music going on, I thought that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Because that whole song is about her like explaining who she is, right? So this is him kind of saying for the first time, I am Adrian Vite. Here I am. Right. Uh, I thought that was super cool. Uh yeah, the frozen um, guy in the spacesuit didn't look so hot. Uh, maybe we should start thinking about other things than just like the steampunk technology he's trying to incorporate. Uh, also, um, why is he launching people into low Earth orbit? Like, why, what are we trying to accomplish by that? Like, is he trying to get like Dr. Manhattan's attention, maybe? Like, right. And then here's where it really shifted for me. When you see the guy on the horse shoot at his feet, mm-hmm. who is that supposed to be? I know it's supposed to be the game warden, but didn't that face look kind of weird to you? It just didn't look like, like, did anybody pause on that? I didn't pause on it.
1: Like did- I didn't pause on it either. Uh, you know, it, maybe it is something. But, yeah, I mean, the, this whole thing makes me wonder, because, like, we've got all these clones. He's, like, using these these other the bodies for something else some other purpose uh oh he'll come to play later on or whatever uh but like it just seems like his it seems like his plan is it doesn't really make sense and that it's very unclear uh maybe maybe this is Vite like kind of losing his shit maybe he he thinks he's still on his game but he really isn't
0: maybe um, maybe but
1: at some point, he's going to have to connect to the rest of the show, I think. Um,
0: it was pretty cool to see his original costume and then to see the Warhol painting behind Laurie. I thought that was really oh, awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. that was very cool. Um, I dug that very much, especially to use all the original comic iconography. That was very sweet. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, it's Okay, so... I think that the scene, it, like it's also intriguing. Like, there's just so much kind of going on at the same time, but there's also so many different kinds of levels that you're you're kind of going down with the, with the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Do you think we can start to get to a point where we can like make predictions, like based on what we know about Watchmen? Like, I, there seems to be because like here's where like I think they gave us a little bit too much with that promo. Is like. If you watch that full promo at the end when we see the person reach down to pick up the Dr. Manhattan mask,
1: yeah. that guy's got a blue hand. But that was also I, in the promo, I'm pretty sure, that we saw at Comic-Con. I don't know. I, I, I... There was, I mean, there has been something that was released before that we've seen either a blue hand reaching down or someone sitting at a table with a blue hand. I, it's not the first time okay. I've seen a blue hand. But the other thing is, like, like he paint, uh, painted a guy blue. So, like, does it ma- mean anything? Could mm-hmm. it just be a misdirect? I don't know.
0: Well, that's a good point. Um, but it seems like that that scene from the show looks like some kind of massacre at a, at a carnival. And, it, like, to me, maybe that's going to mirror the squid. Maybe. You know, so, like, maybe that's what, like, the beginning of episode 10 is going to be about. Right? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm definitely piqued at, at my curiosity to figure out what's going on. Uh, I want to know. Yeah. Uh, like, and I'm now, like, I now feel confident that they're going in a direction with this show where they knew that they had to make one really bitchin' season. And mm-hmm. whatever happens after that is going to happen after that. But this season is going to rock. Kind of like how True Detective rocks, and I'm excited to be a part of that and watch it go down. Cause, uh, and like maybe we could talk about this too as we wrap up. I don't know if this show was as heavily marketed as it could have been.
1: Like, so- I don't think so. I, I think it's also hard. Like in in this era of like all these streaming services like launching right now, and even like HBO and Warner Brothers, they have all these. They have HBO Max that they're starting to talk about and DC Universe. And it's just like, there's so much going on that, I mean, I see ads for it on the subway and everything, but like, and I see ads for it on TV. Like to me,
0: the best way, like season two, the coolest way they could do the ads for that would be to do ads for American hero story. Like I would love to see a commercial for that for Watchmen. That'd be cool. You know, so like you and like, so next season, maybe it's the Hood of Justice, maybe it's, you know, the comedian or Night Owl or Silhouette. And like, and then you turn it's like, you know, tune in this week on whatever network to watch the story of Silhouette, you know? Like, I think that could be really fucking iconic because then they're building in like this second level world, kind of like how The Curse of the Black Freighter is a second level world in the comic. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, I'm so about that. I'm also so about how they've really integrated most of the original Watchmen into the show. Like, you're not going to get Rorschach. Rorschach is dead. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm positive that they're going to tell us where Driedberg is. I don't know if we'll see him.
1: I don't think we'll see him. I think, you know, that could be somebody that maybe would be in a season two. Yeah, and you Um, cast somebody amazing. Sure. I mean, and the other thing I was thinking about is, like, if they do actually have Dr. Manhattan, like, in the flesh or whatever he has, like, is it, um, is it an actor or is it CGI or is it just somebody with a voice? And, like, who is it going to be? Like, I don't think there's been casting on it at all, at least publicized, right?
0: No, not at all. I, 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 But that is something that it's HBO and they could keep that close to the vest. Like, Or, I, I...
1: or is that another one that wouldn't be out there until, like, season two? I don't know. It seems like he'd be more of a presence. Like, they're teasing it enough that there's got to be... Like, the other shoe's going to drop, right? Yeah. Um, Well, also, we
0: see... Like, now it's starting to come into reality that, like... So they said that Lady True bought Veidt's empire. Yep. But Lady True's name isn't spelled T-R-U-E. It's spelled some other fucked-up way. And if she owns Veidt's media empire... I got to believe that she's the one putting out the image of Manhattan on Mars. And that's untrue, and that's why her name isn't spelled like true.
1: <laughs> okay, now we're getting into some some theories. <laughs> you know, like like
0: like you know, like I don't know, like there's a lot there's a lot going on in each in each frame of this show, you know, like it's really yeah. it's really detailed. Like
1: and the it is. And I'm I'm a little worried that like because because I watched the first episode twice, but the other two I've only watched once, I'm like, I kind of feel like I need to go back. And, like, it's just so much to digest and, you know, either that they're or, heavy, like, or... They're heavy. They're heavy episodes. They are heavy. And there's so much going on that, like, I may feel like I need to, to do that. And um, I'm obviously still kind of working on the comic w- to find other Easter eggs and stuff like that. But I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's great. It's three episodes in. We still have... I think six more. Um, So uh, I can't wait next week. But, you know, that's not the only thing that we're going to be talking about. We have other stuff. Um, So
0: I believe we are, so in, uh, I guess, a a week from today, we're going to be, it's a week from tomorrow, we're going to be watching the first ever live action Star Wars TV show.
1: That is crazy.
0: You know, like, that's it. Like, it's ne- it's never happened before. And uh, it's going to be, I think, a real game changer. I, Lucas has been recently saying that Star- the future of Star Wars is in streaming. I believe him. I think that uh, even Iger, I think, came out the other day and said we put out too many Star Wars movies too quickly. And I think he's right. I think that they they blew their load. And I think that <laughs> they, they really ramped it up, I think, a little bit too fast and they thought that they could turn that people would want to see them like a marvel movie and star wars is a little bit more special than that yeah and now i think that we're going to see them finish it out whatever abrams is going to do abrams is going to do and then they are prepared to fully shift gears and go into that's why everybody's movies have been taken out
1: right like yeah. there uh, yeah that's a good point like the we didn't even talk about this obviously we didn't even but, talk about yeah. it the the Game of Thrones guys, their trilogy's gone. Um, and you made a great point,
0: too, that, like, they sped up the end of Game of Thrones to get to Star Wars. And now we kind of lose kind of on both ends, you know, because yeah, we're not going to see what their Star Wars idea was. Uh, we, and they have some
1: deal with Netflix and, like, what is it going to be? Like, who cares? It's like, it's not Star Wars or not Game of Thrones and it, whatever. I don't know. Um, And, you know, as for TV with Star Wars, I have a lot of faith. I think um, a lot of the animated shows have done a lot of great things over the years, and some of that would have been really awesome to see in live action. So, um, and, and the fact is, like, there's just so much content and so much story that they can, you know, pull from or create that to make this universe galaxy feel bigger. Um, so I'm I'm on board. Obviously, we're going to talk yeah, about Mandalorian. Def- we're definitely
0: so. going to talk about Mandalorian. So get ready for that for a nice little uh, bi-weekly episode drop. We'll see how uh, our brains and wives handle that experience.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: and, uh, yeah, as always, guys, you, know, you can find us on Apple, on Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify. You can email us info at longlostheroes.net. You can check us out on the social medias using... The tag, at LLH Podcast. I'm your co-host, AJ. And I'm Frank. And we love talking with you guys today. Please reach out. Let us know what you're thinking about Watchmen, and we'll definitely put you on the show. Not you, but your idea.
1: Your ideas. (laughs) Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye.